Four. This is one more. Hello and welcome to Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. One more, please. Episodio número 41. 41. Yeah, let's go. Let's do 40, it. 40 was Michelle. Michelle, shout out. And then 41. Um, we have a very special guest. Uh, she has done some incredible work in our community. Um, I, I've followed her ever since we started the podcast. I ran into Mas Cultura and I started seeing the lowriders. Um, but I started seeing more than just lowriders. I started seeing like how there was the creative part behind it and how there was space for a lot of people. But the, the one person that's behind all of that great work is Monica Maldonado. Monica Maldonado, welcome to, to Otra Por Favor. Bienvenida. Bienvenida, welcome. Epa. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm just saying the intro is a vibe itself. <laughs> like I feel at home. So oh, yeah, hopefully made you feel at home. Yeah, so Monica Maldonado, the founder of Mas Cultura. Mas Cultura. How, how are you today, Monica? I'm excellent. Gracias. Good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, and on our podcast, we have David, as usual. Uh, hello, hello. And Coque. Coque, Jorge they're, Martinez. They're, you know, we're part of the team. Otro, por favor. And we, we like talking about football, vida and cultura. And, I mean, just the name of Mas Cultura, we had to bring you in. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit more of... of you know, your your background and before we talk about Mas Cultura, talk more about like where you're from originally and and like say if, if you lived in Austin, if you were born here or did you move here, uh, can you just share more about your life and let, let the people know like more about you? Yeah, sure. So I actually have been living in Austin my entire life. I moved here when my parents brought me here when I was a month old from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So we have like this running joke with the family that um, <laughs> that I have a little bit of resentment about leaving San Antonio because I think I would have made the perfect mi tierra girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so both of my parents, they immigrated from Mexico, from Coahuila, mm-hmm. Piedras Negras, Allende, Musquis, that area. Mm-hmm. And so came to San Antonio. My dad obviously is a construction worker. And, uh, and then when I was a month old, we moved to Austin. So I've been in Austin since I was a month old. Wow. You told me Tierra, that's the, the restaurant, the oh, yeah. famous one, right? Okay. Yes. The, the, the piñatas. And the piñatas. Oh. The panadería. The mariachi. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. no, you came to Austin, and we're lucky to have you here. I know. So. We, we could have missed out if you weren't here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks. Thank you to your parents that brought you here. Yes. <laughs> so it's uh, my sister's family. They're actually, her in-laws, they're from Piedras Negras. Um, and... They have they have a pretty extended family. You probably have heard of the last name Marines. I have not heard Marines. No, okay. No, uh, that's that's them right there. So FYI, <laughs> actually, that's a really very unique uh, last name. I yeah. haven't heard that last name before either. <laughs> yeah, it, so it's funny because um, my sister's last name is Marines, like, so it's spelled Marines. So when we grew up, we always say, "Hey, Bernice Marines." Yes. Well. And also, like, we have several last names, you know? True. We have, like, three it's or like, four. Right? It's yeah. never just one. Like, De Castillo de la Garza Abandonado. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like... <laughs> de Castillo. So, you de, know. 
Yeah. We need like two driver's license for the whole last name. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> they don't fit. <laughs> and and uh, so so you were born in uh, San Antonio. You moved here to Austin when you were one month old. Uh, which neighborhood did you grow up on? Yeah, so when uh, when my parents moved us uh, to Austin, we moved to the Old Torf area, so South Austin, mm-hmm. right? And we actually, our first home was in these apartments that are right at the corner of uh, South Fifth and Old Torf. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we moved out of the apartments and we lived on South Second. And I lived four different houses on the same block because anytime the rent went down, my mom's like, we're moving. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we just always moved and it was always on that same street on South second. So if you're not familiar with old tour for South second, uh, basically it's old tour South first, uh, Gillis park Mm -hmm. is there, which is a park that's kind of gone unnoticed over the past few years. Um, But back then it was really a hub and also, it was kind of referred to or tied into that whole Keep Austin Weird mm-hmm. vibe. Um, but, yes, like, that's the area I moved and grew up at was South Austin. It keeps, uh, keep Austin Weird. It, it's it's um, So when I moved here or, like, the north part of Austin was completely different to the south part of Austin. Uh, for me, like, I've always thought of the north part more business-oriented, more industrial, more like Houston. But the the keep Austin weird part is like down south. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were uh, Chaparro. You 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 lived in East Austin. For I lived in East Austin a while for maybe like about six years when I got here. I think, and um, I basically hang out there. That that was my area too. Um, and like you said, uh, that was kind of like the hood for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monica, can you tell us a little bit about your family? I know you you said. It, uh, immigrant parents moved to San Antonio, eventually moved to Austin. But do you have any siblings? And what was it like growing up in South South Austin? So you know, when my parents moved us to Austin, um, we were still like you know first generation. Mm-hmm. So there were still there were kids that were bilingual, mm-hmm. um, and but we definitely were like that household that was listening like to Norteño music, you know, like eating beans and rice every day or whatnot and they're definitely like with that upbringing of really being in a household where like every summer they put you on the bus and was Mm -hmm. like you're going to mexico for the summer with your abuela (laughs) right of course and things of that nature (laughs) they're they're always definitely was like oh why we're different right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we knew um we knew that other households um it was just different for them, right? Like they listened to rock and roll. And mm-hmm. I remember me being like, who's John Mellencamp? Like we listened to Ramon Ayala. So definitely even at a very young age, like I knew like, Hey, we're, we're immigrants. Mm-hmm. And, and plus that like, there was this sense of fear that we lived in day in and day out because my parents were undocumented Mm -hmm. so when i was young they were going through that process of um becoming legal residents Mm -hmm. so there was always like this fear like what's going to happen and of course it also made money constraints very tight because we knew like the money that was uh being earned was going towards an attorney like mm-hmm. i remember us being a kid and like driving to san antonio to go make the payment to the attorney mm-hmm. and like that being a priority right 
um, as to where like other kids were like at Toys R Us. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. And so <clears throat> there were other, there were a few other kids in the neighborhood that were first generation also, but for the most part, you know, it was like second, second or third generation. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you, grew up where did your parents knew english when you grew up or or no so no my parents uh did not speak english mm-hmm. and i had one i have one sibling okay. so i have an older brother and my brother actually is disabled mm-hmm. and so um so yeah as far as that goes yeah they did not speak english so for me it was also like mm-hmm. you know translating yes. and just like you know, and I say it now, but like sometimes feeling embarrassed, right? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, my parents, I'm not going to invite them to this field trip because they don't you know, know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, because they're not yeah. going to know how to talk yeah. or communicate with other parents. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think definitely, yeah, as far as that goes, um, yeah, that was just part of my childhood, right? And it is something that even now I spoke to a group of kids in Dove Springs. Um, late last year and it was really interesting because i talked about my upbringing and talked about being embarrassed about speaking mm-hmm, spanish mm-hmm. and uh and they were all like just nodding their heads right. like it just yes, resonated yes, with them. like, it really yes, like i know what you mean mm-hmm. yeah. and i and i think that's a really important thing and as we're you know through my organization creating our programming mm-hmm. that definitely is one of the things that we want to make sure that we nurture and let these kids know, right? Like, hey, we know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything to be embarrassed about. It builds character and it's part of who we are. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think it's a wonderful point and one that really resonates with, with me as well. I'm a, I'm a first-generation uh, Mexican-American. And everything you said as far as, like, translating for your parents and feeling that embarrassment, feeling that uh, just, like, uh, not fully American, not fully fitting in, mm-hmm. looking back at it, you realize how blessed you were to share that dual nationality as an American and as a, as a Mexican, as a Latino. So it's cool that you get to go back and talk to these kids and have the message that really resonates and um, kind of lead me into this next question. Like what, what brought you to your organization and got you to do the type of work you're doing now? Sure. So I actually um, have always loved art and um, in my mid twenties really uh, got introduced to a lot of music. I worked for at an organization, and the director there, she was a music enthusiast. So she would bring me music, and she would just slap CDs on my desk and be like, hey, listen to this. And so over the year, as I went into my 20s, I kind of had strayed from art, even though I, I definitely had an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. But music kind of had became like the center of, you know, one of my passions or whatnot. Um, anyhow, I ended up moving to Phoenix for a job assignment. Mm-hmm. When I went to Phoenix, I, I, I signed for two years. I had was a recent empty nester, and I was like, sure, like, why not, uh, you know, try this out? So I, I took the position, and I remember arriving to Phoenix, and there were just brown people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's- right? And... And it was so interesting because I remember arriving and I think a lot of people were like, I esta mamona, right? Like, oh, Austin is so cool. It's so <laughs> And then I got no. there and I was like, uh, maybe not. No, no, right? definitely, definitely. Maybe not. And um, 
I was really, you know, I was blessed because I was planted um, in a neighborhood that was adjacent, actually not adjacent. It was at the doorstep of the light rail Mm -hmm. and they were revitalizing that area Mm -hmm. and creating an art district. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And for me, and I've probably told this story a million times for me, like the moment that I'll never forget, like it's like yesterday, is I had this studio that faced the light rail. It was like floor-to-ceiling windows, mm-hmm. and they're having their first Friday, which is like they block off seven seven streets, mm-hmm. and every space is exhibiting art. And I'm looking out the window. The light rail pulls up, and I just see all these people getting off the light rail. And they mm-hmm. were of like every socioeconomic background, every color. Like it was so diverse. And I remember I just started crying because I was wow. like, wow, the power of art. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. to bring people, people together, together, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I really just started exploring and being, it was like a rebirth for me and a reintroduction to art. It was really just acknowledging not just the power of art, but actually going downstairs and being like, okay, let's see what the hype is all about. Mm-hmm. And seeing myself in the art. And, and mm-hmm. understanding that that's why people knew uh, or felt comfortable in the space and wanted to be a part of it because, you know, it, it, they could see themselves in it. And when I came back to Austin, like the first thing I did was like, oh, I'm going to go look for our art district. <laughs> I remember like driving around all day and then being like, oh, I don't think we have an art district. <laughs> we have the I love you sign. <laughs> right? I was like, there's not an art district. But I think more than anything, I really had like this identity crisis mm. where I just felt like where are other people that look like me and where are we celebrating culture and it, it became like clear, like really quickly, mm-hmm. that those spaces really didn't exist. And then more so that the art that I was seeing, and even though I do appreciate it, right, that it was very, it was pop art, mm-hmm. and it wasn't really storytelling, and I couldn't really see myself in it. And that was something that it definitely in Phoenix, through downtown, through you know, almost anywhere you went in in Phoenix. Um, you would see art that really represented all cultures. And I think in Austin, other than, you know, what was already up, it really hadn't gone anywhere. And a lot of it had gone away. Mm. That's sad. And it's like, say, for example, one one part where I do see, like, there's a lot more push for art, even in the neighborhoods, it's East Austin. It's it's always everyone. I'm, I was, I lived in Houston for, for some time. And... I remember everyone always talked about Austin as being this artsy place where you go and you express yourself through art. And I'm like, okay, I see it. But then I only see it like in a certain way. But like you said, you don't really see it in the way where it represents you. It represents your culture. It represents, you know, like us. It doesn't talk about like uh, uh, our stories. Like you were saying, a lot of that is could just be something like someone came came up with a concept, but it wasn't something like like say for example, I'm gonna do this cup and that's it. But there's no meaning behind a cup. That's what I would see. Is a lot of it was some pretty cool things. For a lot of it was just like splashing of paint in a canvas, and this is art. And I'm like, what? Where's the story behind that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's nothing wrong with that because you're still you know doing something creative. 
but I, I think I think like say when it comes up to like like us and our in our in our art, it has more meaningful because a lot of the t- because of the struggles that we've had because of the situations we've lived. I mean, if we look at back in the from the seventies to uh, I don't know how it's right now, but in, in California, for example, how the lowrider culture was huge, and and you know the graffiti culture was huge. Um, and all of that has, it has to do with the actual reality of the society and in and, and that moment itself. So, and then we, we come here and, and then we start seeing, you know, like more murals about like, you actually, now they encourage it. When back in the days, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's actually wrong to paint on walls. But there was a, an article that I read from you there. You're saying that you grew up from a single mother that was an immigrant mother, right? What can you take from that, like, for yourself and how that like and talk about like you, you're actually translating for for your mom how how can you correlate all of that aspect of your childhood into art like well i will say um first of all so i know at the beginning we talked about my mom and my dad coming mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. austin from san antonio so eventually my dad did return to mexico okay but that in itself it's a whole another story um, but as far as like growing up with the single mother and how that correlates to art, right? Uh, I think for me, it was just, it's her work ethic, mm-hmm. right? So the work ethic definitely is something that seeing her drive uh, to make her dream come true is something that I definitely say, you know, is within me mm-hmm. because of me, you know, because of me witnessing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not actually an artist. Like, I don't paint, you know, right. or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, you know, I feel like I'm more of a visionary. La jefa. <laughs> that too. But uh, I think for me, it was just really seeing that um, my mom worked really hard, mm-hmm. right? Three jobs. But money never defined us. Mm. Right. And I think, like, if we're really talking about, like, how I take my upbringing and how art mirrors that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that art allows you to be who you are. You know, it doesn't have to define you. You mm-hmm. get to define it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a form of expression. And, uh, and for me, yeah, I just feel like the work ethic that my mom had to make her dream come true that's embedded in me, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's my fuel to to create. Yeah. Wonderful. So you're a visionary, you're an art collector, you're an organizer. Can can you give a, a little bit more description of what you do to our audience cuz I mean, we've said all these things yes! and they're all like a lot of <laughs> great things, but like get, take me on a day by day of, of yes. uh, Monica. So I will tell you um you know, I have a daytime job. I work full time mm-hmm. where you know, I get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that has afforded me, you know, the liberty to to, to do, do to do mas cultura mm-hmm. um, and, and also the freedom to say, like, what I do and don't want to do and don't want to do. Mm-hmm. There we go. I think that's very key because one of the things that uh, a lot of, Uh, young people struggle with and I struggled with as well is like what I'm studying or what I'm trying to do has to be my passion and that that pressure to just figure it out when by the time you turn 21 or 22 
when a lot of times life ends up, you end up finding your passions later in life or having, having a, a job or a, some type of career that, that helps you uh, sustain yourself and live the life you want to live as well as pursue your passions on your own time. You know what I mean? So I think it's key, your, your message, and, of, uh, and it's, it's inspiring to hear, um, especially uh, in the sense where you said that you um, really get to connect people and uh, create those bonds in the community in ways that allow people to express themselves fully, especially our communities, you know, people that, that look like us and, you know, that representation aspect I feel is super key. Este, ¿qué, ¿Qué fue lo que, lo que hizo que te encontraras con más cultura o más cultura uh -huh. te encontrara a ti? No, super pregunta. ¿Quieren en inglés o en español? Or en español. Que a ver. Yeah. Ok, so... Más cultura, you know, I told y'all the story about coming to Phoenix and, you know, identity crisis. And I had this really cheesy idea that I was going to, like, uh, bring Latina women together mm -hmm. and do this thing called comadres. Mm -hmm. Comadres. Yes. And then I remember a friend of mine, she's actually from Del Rio, Denise Quintanilla, and she's like, you know, like, not everyone's going to understand what comadres means. And she's like, I don't, I don't know about that name. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, okay. So her and I, on a Sunday, ended up at the park, at Chicano Park. And when I went to the park, what, for me, like what I saw were men that were leaders, And that really wanted to get involved with the community, but didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to help them, right? <clears throat> and so uh, that was not an easy thing to do, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to earn those stripes, that respect, right? Because mm -hmm. at first they're like, who's this chick, right? Well, like, what does she want from us? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember you telling me that yes, whenever right? I met you. And, um, and I think... The lesson with how Mas Cultura came about, mm -hmm. tiene mucho que ver, that I had to spend time in the community mm -hmm. to really identify what the need was, mm -hmm. right? And then see how I could show up for it. So just having like this idea of doing something because I thought it was cool, comadres, right? Like that shit wasn't going to cut it. <laughs> and um, so through serving the community, which includes showing up at the park, but other things too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, was where I was like, okay, I my organization cannot just be about uh, Latina women. And I also actually was really intimidated about launching an organization. Mm -hmm. And so for a while, I was kind of like self-funding some things or do, doing uh, raising money through the community. And then uh, I started getting a lot of pressure because I had already started a rumor that I was going to start a nonprofit. And um, people started asking me, like, hey, when are you starting this nonprofit? Mm -hmm. And I was really stuck because I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home and pulling all my books out off my bookshelf and starting to read through my books, you know, Chicano history and just a little fun. I like all, every book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, surely the name Something is just going to pop. pop out at me, <laughs> Some right? Type of inspiration. <laughs> yes. And I have all the books spread out. And I was like, yeah, this is not working. And un momento, 
that I was like, well, let me just get a piece of paper and a pen and write down, like, what am I, what is this about? And I was like, music, verdad? Because music, it's part of our cultura, bringing people together, obviously art. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, and everything I do, I want to put my soul into it, right? And then I was like, oh, mas cultura. And that's kind of how, like, I gave birth to the name. Perfect. Um, and then I had the name, but I still had not formalized the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, through serving in the community, right, I was like, and, and really learning about just the politica and how things work in the city. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, we need funding. Mm-hmm. Like we deserve to have a piece of the pie. <laughs> and the only way that's going to happen is if I do this nonprofit thing. And so that's when I knew, like, Mas Cultura, definitely, like, it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I would share it with people at the park mm-hmm. or where I volunteer in Dust Springs, and people would just, they loved it. Oh, yeah, they were like, because it was like, oh, Mas, y Mas, queremos Mas Cultura. What does the acronym mean? You know, music, art, and soul. So fue algo, fue algo muy natural. Yeah, when I had it on a piece of paper, I was like, that's it. ¿Comadre,comadre? <laughs> how they would show up for each other, mm-hmm. ¿verdad? Mm-hmm. The sense of, you know, familia. And um, and in a way, I felt like, I mean, I'm just going to use the word, like they were, they, they were being, they were unseen, unheard. That word's like underrepresented, mm-hmm. but, eh, you know, I don't know if it really works in this context. But I definitely felt like they were misunderstood. And I knew that because I was there spending time with them mm-hmm. and I was learning their stories and uh, the inspiration behind the cars and everything else. Right. Um, but that's just, that's just one group. Right. I mean, I serve at a pantry in Dove Springs and, you know, we see the elders that come through and I'd be, you know, handing a box of food over and I would always be really like taken back, right, by like the tone of the skin, like mm-hmm. these beautiful, everyone's a different brown. <laughs> and I would like pay attention to that and the wrinkles, and I'd be like, I want to know, like, how did they end up here? Yeah. ¿Cómo llegaron aquí? Mm-hmm. And what's their story? So all of that. So it's not yeah, just it's one group. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, my own personal, like knowing that my mother came and she was, you know, her legacy and then what is that for me? And then how do we continue that? When you created Master Cultura, um, was it all you creating the organization itself, like yourself, or did you have a team that helped you put everything together? I know it was, it was me. Okay. Um, I do have some people that I definitely brainstormed with, mm-hmm. right? I have a friend, uh, Ernesto Cheche Hernandez. He's from El Paso, Chuco Town. And, uh, and, and he's uh, he's a he's a brilliant artist, right? Um, 
And he was definitely one of those people that I uh, confided in and would share like, yo, que onda, right? And he, he felt it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a very safe place for me to share those ideas because honestly, every, a lot of people thought I was crazy. Like I remember doing my first event and the guys at the park being like, you're going to do what? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have like this, I'm going to do like this photo shoot and crazy. it's going to be all women photographers and we're going to lift up Latinas in your cars. And I remember being like, Nobody's going to come. And I'm like, well, you're going to come, right? <laughs> you're, you're bringing in the car. Um, so I, there was definitely a lot of, you know, people who doubted me. Um, and, and so Ernesto definitely, you know, all my respect, my love to him, like, you know, as a, as a brother, as uh, someone that I was definitely able to bounce ideas and confide in, and he believed in me since day one. So um, you, you were saying something that's very, very, I would say, in a lot of, even even like in the Latino culture, the one, like we have so many good things, but we also have some stuff that we can work on. One of them is whenever someone's starting something new, whenever someone's starting something that's going to bring something different to the table, you're going to be seen as the, ¿qué, qué trae esta pues? Um, and, but the fact that you kept going at it, eventually as people catch on, they're going to see like it's not just a hype. Like right now it's not just for the hype or it's not just for for the, the trend or for the follows, but actually because you, you want to show something. And then they started seeing what you were doing, but they started seeing their stories being portrayed through everything else that you were doing, for example, the photo shoot with the cars and, and the Latino, like the, Latino, the all women photographers, that that's at first it was, um, I can see, I can imagine like the guys were like, but yeah, and and the thing too, it's like being a female, right? Yeah. So I'm showing up at the park. <laughs> And then it's like the señoras, <laughs> respectfully, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like, what's up with this chick, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, like you see, the, you see them go like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, uh, and again, going back, like my first day at the park, there's like this tent, and there's you know, the the jefas, mm-hmm. they're sitting there. And I'm introducing myself to everyone, talking to them about this project, and I make my way there. And, of course, they're like, yeah, like, who's the chick? <laughs> and I was like, I have this idea. Like, I want to do this photo shoot, and it's going to be about lowriders. I'm in music, da-da-da. And, um, yeah, they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And I was walking off, and one lady came up to me, and she chased me down. And she's like, hey, mija. Um, and she's like, um, she's like, give me your number. She's like, anything you need, I got you. She's the one that believed in you. Yeah, and yeah. I said, oh, okay. And her name's Yolanda. So she um, died from COVID. Mm-hmm. And I remember about a day later, I get this text on my phone, and she's like, hey, homegirl, what's up? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's this? <laughs> right? And I'm like, what's up, homegirl? And um, it was Mandy, her daughter. Mm-hmm. She's a female uh, Latina lowrider. So she has a car that hops. She's with high class uh, worldwide. And um, 
And, and she believed in me since day one, too. And she was one of those, like, anything you need, I got you. That's good. You, I'm pretty sure you probably hesitated or, you know, when you were planning that event, it was something new. And it was something that a lot of people were just like, oh, if you're about. But you got access to the one person that uh, probably knows people and has connections. So they saw something in you that actually you were doing something beneficial, and you you come in and then look where you at now. Like look at all the great things yeah. that's going on after that one particular decision. I think one important thing I definitely want to say is that um, that's important is that you have to do it whether people believe in you or not, mm-hmm. right? Like. Like, and that's still how I feel sometimes. Like, I'm still going to do it. Like, whether you're behind me or not, I'm still going to do it because it's in my heart. <laughs> it's in my soul. And um, and I think that that's important, right? Like, no te esperes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the haters are going to be there. The doubters are going to be there. But no matter what, whatever it is that you want to create, bring to life, mm-hmm. just do it. Right. And don't right. wait on anyone or anybody. And it's been interesting because um, ev- everything that's happened, like it just it's it just keeps multiplying itself. Right. <laughs> and, and it's like what you're putting out. Right. And uh, for me, it's like at the end of the day, uh, people can feel what is real. Mm-hmm. Right, whether it's like you're working in a small space, like this feels real, mm-hmm. right? It's real. Yeah. But like, let's suppose Yolanda would have never came up to me. Guess right. what? I still would have done. done. I was it. still yeah. would have yep. done it. Yep. And if five people would have showed up, five people would have showed up. But more than five people showed up, and I remember people just coming to the event and being like, "How the hell did she get all these people here?" And you want to know how? Because I'm not scared to do the work. Mm -hmm. And that's another very important thing, like the hustle. Mm -hmm. I remember going and printing flyers and going block walking and Mm -hmm. delivering, hand delivering. Like, this is my event. And to be really important, like, it means a lot. One of the things for me is, like, we have to include our gente and, like, what does that mean? Raza, hood, whatever you want, however you want to refer to it, right? But, um... But I started off there. Um, obviously, I live in Dove Springs. My mom lives in Dove Springs, right? So we eventually made our way to Dove Springs. So back in the day, it was like the further you got from downtown. Like I remember us thinking better check. Like that neighborhood was the rich people and we'd go trick-or-treating there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Get the good candy. <laughs> right. Like, okay. The Reese's Pieces. Yeah. And, <laughs> so... Uh, when I was 18, my mom ended up buying a house. We ended up buying a house, actually, in Dove Springs, which my mom still lives in the house. Um, so as far as, like, yes, I started off with um, passing out flyers there in my old neighborhood off South 2nd and Old Torp. And as far as, like, the neighborhoods that I'm working in um, and definitely want to leave a footprint and be like, hey, Mas Cultura is here, <laughs> is... Dove Springs for sure. And then the other neighborhoods that have been identified as underserved and a uh, high population of Latinos are mm-hmm. Del Valley, Montopolis, and Rumberg. Mm-hmm. So the goal is that now that Mas Cultura is official and is as we, you know, um, work on getting funding, that our programming goes into these areas that are predominantly Latino. 
Monica, uh, I see your hesitation to use certain buzzwords and I kind of, <laughs> I resonate with that a little bit, but I think, I think the discomfort, at least on my end comes from when people don't, uh, they just say, they just say it without the action behind it, but you're a person of action. You do a lot of things for the community. You, sh- you built that trust over the years and those relationships, like you said, um, and you speak a lot about certain places that are special that I don't think a lot of Austinites, new Austinites, like I've been here for 10 years, but still I can, You're new. I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? It's, I'm still new. So no, but um, these places are very special to you and you see them as like a place where magic can happen that maybe can bring you to tears and can create that friendship for life. You spoke about that community in Phoenix uh, with the art district right by the rail, and you've cr- you've been here. Gil- uh, you mentioned Gillis Park. Can you tell us about some other areas that are key uh, to you at the moment that you've hosted a lot of events or you see yourself actively working at? Yeah, I can talk about um, Olin and Peyton Road. That's down the street? Mm-hmm. That's down the street, and... Um, I was invited to do a mural there, and it was to honor Alina, who's a, the paletero who was assaulted and oh, then, that's right. and then that's died. Right. Yeah. And that's a space, right, like that's very special in my heart. I, I went there. It's not my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and I remember when we were going to start the mural, it was another one of those, like, and I, and I think this is kind of, now that I'm, talking about it out loud it's it's a reoccurring thing right like where you enter and then we're like who are you and what are you doing here and what do you want from us <laughs> right um and i remember us going to prep the wall and realizing that there was a lot of pain in that community and that there was a lot of animosity between brown and black people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember the next day, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I got to do, you know, get to know the people in the neighborhood. I walked around or they'd come up. I'd make sure, introduce myself. Mm-hmm. And and the people who lived in the neighborhood that are Latino, a lot of them are undocumented. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were sharing stories about being robbed, being scared, being harassed. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was like, oh, this needs to be bigger than just doing this memorial mural. Mm -hmm. Um, And we ended up getting a DJ, bringing in um, masks and socks. And then we ended up deciding we were going to do raise some money to give to the family of the paletero. So we did some raffle items. But I have this really wonderful picture that's one of my favorites um, where by the end of the event, there is a man in the neighborhood, and he's, he's Mexicano, and he's dancing a cumbia with an African-American lady from the community. Mm. And, and that, to me, is a really powerful, was a really powerful moment, and it, 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 I still know, like, I'm going to return to that neighborhood. And so anyone who is in North Austin, right, like, there's there's a lot of ways that you can serve and, um, and healing that needs to happen, mm-hmm. right? 
And North Austin, to me, it's like that's where all the paisanos are at, the best tacos. Mm-hmm. You know Charlie's. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know yes. what's up. I know where the good tripas are at too. Um, but I think yeah, like every, every space for me, anywhere there's Latinos, like it's special, and mm-hmm. I can think about all of them and 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 share something like. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever uh, thought? Maybe you already have, but created some type of map some t- something interactive something where it's like all right these are some cool spaces of things going on in in these neighborhoods and like you say there's a lot of places to serve but for example me like if i had the curiosity uh if there was some type of um some type of platform or, or something yeah. available like that i think we're we eventually will work towards that yeah. um i am really excited to share that the austin justice coalition has launched a new program mm-hmm. And their program is basically they're taking ambassadors in each district. And that ambassador, because Austin Justice Coalition has been, a lot of their work has been in East Austin, right? Um, And we can touch more about East Austin and and that. But Austin Justice Coalition has uh, launched this program called DOPE. They have ambassadors. And when I knew that that was coming and I saw the call for it application, I reached out to a young man that lives in North Austin and I said, Julio, you have to apply for this, right? You got to represent for, for our gente. Mm -hmm. And like many of us, we don't think we're qualified. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and that is one of those things that I'm trying to break like that uh, mentality. Like I'm not qualified enough. And like, I even tell the artists that I work with and told Julio, like, yo, like, we, we can't be bitching, like, we're not getting funding or we're not getting, you know, yeah. <laughs> these opportunities if we're not applying. Yep. So exactly. apply. And he did apply. And so Julio Herrera uh, is the ambassador for that district. That's good. And so I think that program is going to do a good job of trying to kind of centralize, like, um, opportunities to serve in each district. But as far as uh, Mas Cultura goes, you know, it's not definitely not going to happen this year. Mm -hmm. But I think eventually, yes, like, because, you know, one of our goals is to be the bridge. Like that is in our strategic plan. Like we are the bridge between communities and the resources Mm -hmm. that make them thrive. Yeah. So eventually, I would love that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which kind of leads me like, you, you know, building a team like that is coming where we're going to put a call out and say, Hey, we got to build a team. Like I definitely can't do this alone. I have a wonderful board and there are some volunteers that, you know, have been showing up consistently. Um, but we are finally getting prepared to, um, yeah, to do this launch where we're, you know, we have, um, you have to excuse me. So we actually, uh, got this wonderful, we're granted a pro bono through okay. JDI Marketing. It was, uh, it's a very generous, and they're working on our, you know, branding, verbal, visual. Oh, wow. Yeah, all That's this good. fancy stuff. Yeah. Like, nice. Um, boilerplate and decks <laughs> and all this stuff. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, I know. Um, so it's all in the works, mm-hmm. but by you know, I would probably say in the next 90 days, we probably will be launching something and say, hey, we're building a team. Who wants to be part of it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what I was going to ask you. So Mas Cultura, does it have, like, members right now? Does it have a team that it's actually worked together? We to? are recruiting, Chaparro, <laughs> if you are yeah. interested. This is actually your job interview, Chaparro. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
So far, since there's no tequila, you have all oh, failed. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Daddy Ciders. <laughs> hey, I have some gin over here. <laughs> but, yes, we, we're going to be building a team, the organization, like, definitely, like, I want it to be Latino-led organization. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like, I really see myself eventually handing it off. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm being, like, straight up, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I gave birth to it. It has a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. And I want to hand it off. And I really want to see, like, the younger generation take it and run with it and build mm-hmm. it. Yep. And me support that. And, and it's like, say, say for example, as we, we see more of the, this younger generation actually wanting more representation. If you look at a lot of the outfits in Austin, for example, a lot of that is, is based on our culture. A lot of, you know, like the Las Guayaberas and everything that people wear. There's a trend right now. It's actually people that we grew up with for, for years so, and and because of what has happened in in America and with with politics and you know, immigration and whatnot, do you get more people that actually want to be knocking on doors and you know want to be part of it? And like you said earlier, you don't get it, for us if you want change, you got to be the one doing the application. Like I always have the saying, la montaña." You have to be the one that goes to the mountain, and you have to be the one knocking on doors if you want to change. If you don't want to change, you want to be complaining, there's Twitter, there's Facebook. But if you really want something done, you know, like, do, do similar to you, what you were doing, get involved in the community. Yes, for sure. And I think one, uh, uh, an important, sorry, I'm going to start all over, but an important thing <laughs> about um, getting involved, right, and engaged and whatnot, I really want mas cultura to be that space where people feel like they don't have to overcommit right Mm -hmm. because i think that's a really scary thing like it was for me for a long time like i didn't want to volunteer because i was like well how many hours and like when (laughs) you know and how much money (laughs) you know all these things Mm -hmm. so i think too like we need to know like hey, I can show up and I can just do maybe two hours a month or four hours a month, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's okay, yeah. like, to do that. And um, I think sometimes we just have this fear of commitment. Mm-hmm. And that same fear of commitment, the fear of not being feeling like you're not qualified, all those things really keep us from being involved and engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, don't overthink it. Mas um, Cultura makes it easy, you know, Um but I think a lot of other organizations do too, right? Like if you say, hey, I only have two hours to give. I know I was uh, working with the UT student, and she's like, I'm working on my master's, but I really want to get involved because I think our soul needs it, honestly. Like course, lo yeah. necesitamos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I go and do things, and sometimes I'm like, wow, like that just gave so much more to me than I think I gave to it. Yeah. And um, so I remember telling her, yo, like I'll send you the strategic plan. Just pick. Like what you can give to and how much. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's really how we're going to advance as Latinos in Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're our own enemies right now because we're not collaborating enough. Mm -hmm. I I think that we really just have to reach out more and be like, Hey, how do we collaborate Mm -hmm. and, and coming together? Yeah. Like just carve time out of, your life and day and trust me it's gonna uh, be very rewarding right. um even like when we did the uh the dons y doñas with the socks and stuff and we went and handed those out right um yeah it just really feels 
rewarding. Yeah, yeah rewarding to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, even, even I know for me is a lot of the times like I like a lot of the photography I've done is right now is volunteering. Um, and sometimes you get tired. It's like you know, like for me is I get like I'm blessed to get access to shoot at a stadium now. But however, one thing that I that I I always thought of myself as like if I don't do it, someone else is gonna do it. Or like say for example, when it comes up to representation, if we don't do the work, if we don't put in the work, someone else is gonna do it. It's not gonna be as accurate, and we're gonna be complaining about this person doing it wrong instead of us actually doing it. You know, to take the spaces that you know that are our. I mean, us speaking of our culture, representing our culture, helping our community. That's our work. It's, yeah, it's, we should telling we should be telling our own stories, right? Mm-hmm, right, and then it's up to us to be that part, like be there as face of representation, mm-hmm. right? Take ownership of take our take ownership, of our own stories right? And accountability yeah. Right, because yeah, a lot of times what I hear is I hear people complain about someone doing our work. We want representation, but we're afraid. To step in the yeah. placers. And that for me, probably um, as a curator, as a person who organizes, is probably the most challenging, right? It's like, how do I bring it all together, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I bring young Latino professionals together with like Julian, who is from the hood? Mm-hmm. And how do I do that? Um, I kind of feel like I've been successful at it mm-hmm. because the, the events that I have hosted always feel very diverse and I do feel like everyone's represented and everyone is welcomed into those spaces. But I'm glad that, that through your work, you're able to work mm-hmm. down to kind of break down biases and stereotypes and create a, a true mm-hmm. diverse environment that really tries yes. to bring in voices of all socioeconomic mm-hmm. backgrounds. It's, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've always felt that a little bit weird about Austin in particular, uh, cause I grown up in Houston it's a larger city to me, mm-hmm. more diverse. So when I went to UT immediately, it was just a shock of white, you know, mm-hmm. like just different culture, bam, culture shock. And, you know, kind of like Richie was saying earlier, oh yeah, Austin is a progressive city. It's artsy. It's this and that. But um, like, like you were saying, is nothing like being surrounded by all shades of brown, all shades of color and all mm-hmm. different stories. I mean, <laughs> I, I'll tell you right now, but at the end of the day, like what I am proud of is mm-hmm. that I can bring like I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's because I, I spend a lot of time, honestly, like checking on everybody and like, right. yo, are you good? Kibo, yeah. What's up? That's good. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of energy. So, yeah. so what, what do you do to kind of relax and just like ground yourself after, you know, such high, strong environment, talking to everybody, maintaining relationships? Yes, it is a lot of energy. Um, you know, I meditate. Mm. I, you know, stay in prayer. Mm. I also, you know, th- those are g- going to be the two things, you know, meditating, staying in prayer, um, you know, listen to a lot of music. Um, I do su- suffer from, and I just n- learned this word, the fear of missing out, FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> yeah, I do suffer from that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's but, a, first, um, a real thing. Yeah. yeah, it is a real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. But for me, yes, it is definitely a lot of energy that I, you know, exchange. Um, but at the end of the day, like carving out that time, 
again, meditating, staying in the word, um, you know, whatever your belief system is. Like, I honestly, a lot of the, the things that have happened, you know, with Mas Cultura, I do really feel like it's the force of the universe. It is God, like, using me as a vessel. Um, and I say that because, I mean, I've received messages at midnight of people saying, like, hey, like, I just saw this post of yours, and I want to be part of it. And um, I had a young lady message me the other day. She messaged me through Instagram. The other one was through text. But um, she said, I'm so excited to go to the Cesar Chavez March. She's like, I'm from Abilene. And it reminded me of my LULAC days. Mm. And she wrote, she was just really beautiful what she wrote, right? So when I receive those messages, like I never take them for granted. Mm-hmm. I really sit with them and and I use them to fuel fuel me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like this gas tank kind of, right? Like it's like empty and then like I start getting these messages or there's these uh, people I meet and um, everything always feels real intentional with me. Mm-hmm. And those messages that's like my refuel right mm. um so i hope that answers that yeah that's good. and uh, wine no definitely <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> yeah i mean so you definitely are have like a strong personality and you you seem like a person that's very very sure of yourself and have always known certain things and it's 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 wonderful to hear your story and i'll say this um when i was this was before I had just filed for the nonprofit mm-hmm. and I, it was really hard to file because I just kept doubting myself. Right. I look at the paperwork and then I felt like, Oh, somebody else needs to help me fill it out. And I need an expert or I need an attorney, like all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, Jamal who sits on my board, he was introduced to me and, um, Cheche, who introduced me to him, said, you'll know in 20 minutes, like, whether Jamal or you are vibing or not. Mm-hmm. And then we met, and it was, like, a two-hour meeting. And I'll never forget Jamal saying, like, don't come back until you filed for your nonprofit. Mm. Like, Just like, like straight-up accountability, mm-hmm. right? And after I filed, I still felt like, I don't think I can do this. And I reached out to Denise Hernandez, and I said, hey, you have some time. Will you meet with me? And we sat down, and I remember her saying, um, you know, if you have ideas, if you have anything that you don't want someone else to use, like, you need to make sure you have a contract or an agreement. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, nombre, like, I don't need all that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I had to learn the hard way, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, shit, that was my idea and there's capital to that. And, um, yeah, and it's really not mine anymore. <laughs> wow. the, uh, Dang. I would say, like, everything that's happened, it gives you, like, a thicker skin to, you know, be able to, whatever you can take, you know, that it you, you can absorb, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But whatever you need to, like, slide off, you can just slide it off. But it's, I mean, it's a new process, too, like, doing a nonprofit, doing something that, that has to do with, contracts yeah. um in a new world probably mm-hmm. too yeah. yeah i assume probably out of out of your your wheelhouse in a lot of ways so through experience comes learning lessons that are not pleasant for sure 
Yeah, and I think giving uh, ourselves permission, right? Yeah. Like giving ourselves permission to say like, hey, it may not be perfect, Mm -hmm. um, or I made mistakes along the way. And I think it all circles back to how we lift each other up Mm -hmm. and keeping that real. Yeah, I think that for me, that's that's what I take is anytime you do something like no one is perfect, but voice out your opinion, voice out your idea, because then... Uh, whenever you don't you don't voice it out whenever you don't voice out your thought um you're gonna feel like i should have done it uh speaking about doing more and and doing things can can we get into some of the events and uh opportunities here the latino art weekend that was last year in june right that was in november november it's close enough (laughs) (laughs) november November 2021 yep November 2021, yes, Latino Art Weekend. Tell us about it. Yeah, let's talk about Latino Art Weekend. So Latino Art Weekend, it um, it is my baby. Um, I was introduced to Steven, um, Rudy, and Tobar, who are of color. So that is a pretty new organization here in Austin. And when they reached out to me, they shared with me that they were doing this Black Art Weekend and it was this experience. Mm -hmm. They are, I believe, Stephen and Tobar, both from Chicago and Rudy, I believe it's Philly. I'm not sure. And anyhow, when we jumped on this call, um, they talked to me about Black Art Weekend. And I remember them saying, like, we're going to sell, like, tickets and people are going to come experience art. And I thought they were crazy. I was like, oh, okay, well, this should be interesting. Like, Austin is not, honestly, like an art city like Houston, right? Um, So they asked me, they're like, well, do you want to come and shadow Black Art Weekend? And ideally, what we'd like to do is invite you to mirror that for the Latino community. Mm, Wow, nice. And, like, we heard you're the person that can help us make that happen. Mm So I went to Black Art Weekend and it was a really it was really beautifully done. It had great energy. And I started working on Latino Art Weekend with them. I became the project manager and essentially it became like my vision of what I thought represented Latinos here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Because I knew like this was a huge opportunity. Right. They were um, they were helping fund it. Mas Cultura. Um, we had not gone public yet. So they had some funding. And so for me, it was like, let me see how much, you know, how many opportunities I can create through this. I ended up um, helping them or yeah, selecting the venues. And then I booked all the music. So and then I worked with the artists, which was you know, probably the most important part. Mm -hmm. So there were 65 artists that participated in Latino Art Weekend through the the work that I've been doing now for a few years, you know, even before Mascultura gave birth. Mm -hmm. Um, I recruited and um, had 58 of those 65 artists were all artists that I brought into the event. Uh, The majority of the artists had never exhibited. So that was really huge. Um, 
but yeah, I came up with the concept of like the exhibit names. And then of course I organized the lowrider car show at the Male house. Mm-hmm. So the entire event itself, right? Like it really was my bringing my vision to life and it really reflected a lot of my experiences of like in from Phoenix and from Cali. So I love California. And so between like going to Cali, Phoenix, it was Latino Art Weekend. Like I remember standing back and I had a lot of moments at Latino Art Weekend. Like when we talk about special moments, mm-hmm. um, I remember standing back at the Mala House and being like, I did this. Mm-hmm. Like my work is done. Mm-hmm. You know, Latino Art Weekend was really, really special to me. I poured blood, sweat, and tears into mm-hmm. it. I mean, I think at some moment I thought, like, I'm going to lose my job over this event. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, sleeping, eating, dreaming, breathing Latino Art Weekend. <laughs> if you imagine, like, curating an exhibit and there were 60 artists at some point that I was dealing with. That's wow. crazy, yeah. And, a big um, work. Yeah. Yes, so I'm very grateful, you know, that Of Color approached me and, you know, extended the invitation to me to do Latino Art Weekend, the inaugural Latino Art Weekend. Um, so, yeah, so it was a really special event. It's really dear to my heart. Um, I know that there will be a Latino Art Weekend this year as well. And then, um, you know, whether or not, like, I'm part of it this year, that still has not been determined. And, and that question, were there all local artists, uh, Latino? And one of the things that we ended up doing was extending it regionally. Okay. So we brought Arte, um, Arte y Artists from um, Del Rio, um, El Paso, Juarez, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea behind that was we really wanted to show Austin art that was very you know in your face Mm -hmm. when it comes to cultura because they do not compromise right Mm -hmm. ideally like for me one and this is not one day like this is going to happen like we will have artists from mexico city here doing murals right like that is what i and Mm -hmm. collaborating with artists here Mm -hmm. because i think that's something like it just goes to another level Mm -hmm. Because the artists inspire each other. It brings out the best mm-hmm. in one another. Um, and like creatively, I just think it's just a stronger force. So when we invited those artists, it was like, hey, if we we already know that the opportunities in Austin are very limited. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like for us to invite artists in Texas that can come and exhibit here and that eventually the artists from Austin get invited to their cities mm-hmm. so that it's an exchange, exchange right? Yeah. So, and building on that. A lot of the times, what you said earlier makes a lot of sense. When you bring artists together, one artist is going to motivate the other artist to do better. Um, I take that for heart because uh, as I started doing photography, I'm blessed to being surrounded by people that are good, but... Like you said, like it motivates you to to create more and and. But I think um, too, one of the things I I 
really appreciated and was really happy that we decided to invite um, artists from outside of Austin Mm -hmm. is there was an artist that participated in Latino Art Weekend, and I remember her telling me, like, this was before, like, she brought her pieces in. Mm -hmm. I remember her telling me that she had come to a point in her art career Mm -hmm. where she felt that she was doing a lot of commission work and that she was really had been put in this box mm. and um, and she was having a really hard time stretching herself out of that box. Right. And when I shared with her, like, hey, like, these are the other artists that are going to, like, this is going to be a place, like, whatever you want to paint that represents you as a Latina, cultura, this is where you're going to be able to do that. And I think that because we brought those artists in that are really confident in delivering this art that says, hey, you know, I'm Chicano or Viva la Raza or whatever it is. Um, I think that made other artists, it encouraged other artists for sure. That's good. That's That's wonderful. Um, Speaking of pieces of art, I know you, you you brought some for us today. Um, do you care to show them and kind of it was talk your about first it? piece of art when you yeah. acquired it at the age of 14? I was like, somebody did their homework. I was like, Whoa. we we wanted we were waiting for for the for the moment to plug it in. <laughs> yes, the first time I was really introduced to art, mm-hmm. I got a job at Jovitas. Mm-hmm. So Jovitas is a restaurant that's was on South First. <laughs> So I think for me, I'm going to um, kind of rewind. So, so there's basically like three major influences, right, mm-hmm. as far as like my love for art and how I was introduced to it. One of them definitely is Jovitas, right? Jovitas, you know, I went to work there when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, you know, what are you? And I'm like, what am I, Mexicana? And he's like, oh, no, like, oh, so you're you're born in Mexico? And I'm like, no, I was born in San Antonio. And he's like, oh, no, you're Chicana. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, Chicana. you want to work here? Like, you got to read this book. And he hands me a book, and it's called 500 Years of Chicano History. Mm. Wow. And so he hands me the book, and I get the job. And then that was the first time, like, you know, I started seeing murals being created by mm-hmm. Chicanos mm-hmm. there at Jovita. So that was a major influence and my passion for art, introduction to it. And then I grew up, the neighborhood I grew up in, that's where La Resistencia Bookstore was at. So Raul Salinas, who's an activist. And um, so when I was a kid, you know, I'd go into the bookstore, and I usually, you know, didn't have money for a book, but they had postcards there all the time. And they were on the counter, you know, as you got rang up. So I purchased one of my very first pieces of art, quote-unquote, which was a postcard there. I did bring it. Show it. Show it. So it's this. So it's this little card right here. It's been in the same frame forever. Wow. Wow. My kids are probably like, yes, that's been in every single apartment, (laughs) house, garage, or wherever we've lived at. Um, So this is the card, the postcard, and I framed it, and so it's super dear to me. And um, so that that's this piece, which is definitely a big part of, you know, my story. Mm-hmm. And then we finally moved out of the neighborhood. So we moved out of the neighborhood. I could take a picture of it and show it. Oh, yeah, that would be great. 
So we moved out of the neighborhood and we moved um, into these apartments. And this is kind of a funny, interesting story, I guess. And so we lived on the ground floor and we had a neighbor. And the neighbor would always sit out on his patio to smoke a cigarette or maybe mota and drink black coffee. <laughs> and he was definitely like weird. Like he had. <laughs> or he was probably just high. He had tattoos. <laughs> And he had um, those big earrings, like when they stretch their ear. The gauges. The gauges. Yes, the gauges, right. And I just, but I was so intrigued by him. And then finally one day, like, I approached him, and I was like, oh, like, you know, you know, where do you get this stuff done? And and he's like, oh, I work at Forbidden Fruit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. Um and anyhow, he kind of became like my friend. You know, I have a question. What's forbidden fruit? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was definitely kind of, you know, he was definitely different. And then, of course, my mom's like, I know, hables y ese loco. And, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the typical. Protectora madre. Yeah. <laughs> and one day I was coming out of the apartment and he goes, hey, he goes, my neighbor upstairs just moved out. He goes, and she left a bunch of art in the laundromat. And you should walk over there and see if you like any of it. Mm. And so I walked over there and I grabbed two pieces. And I must have been 14 years old. I was definitely 14 years old. And so the pieces, they're, they're made out of chalk. So she used chalk on them. And uh, I still have both of them. So I did not pay for those, you know, but those definitely, like, I consider, like, part of my collection. Um, and I brought brought one of those. So, so yeah, that was another big influence in my, my life as far as just, like, introduction to art and collecting art. I have a lot of art. Um, I kind of tease my kids and I'm like, yeah, like when I die, like you're not going to get like any fancy jewelry <laughs> or anything. You're just going to get all this art. This art. <laughs> um, the third piece that is really dear to me in my collection and I should have brought it. Um, so I worked for this lady, Paula Brunson, who is a lady who just kept bringing me music. Mm -hmm. I was like, listen to this and listen to this. Right. Um, she invited me to her house one day. And I went into the restroom, and she had this piece of art. It was on actually a piece of cardboard above the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed it as soon as I walk in, and it's like this lime green, and it's got a low rider, and it's got like the mom, the dad, and the little girl sitting in the car like this. Family unit. A family unit. <laughs> and I was like, man, Paula, that's so dope. Like, where did you get that <laughs> right? And she's like this gringa. And um, she was, oh, I used to work, like, you know, in college or whatever, like at this gallery in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the pieces. pieces. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then that was, that was that. And then finally one day I moved out of my mom's garage and I got my own apartment. It was like a super big deal. Of course. <laughs> big deal. Right? <laughs> and she goes, hey, I have a housewarming gift for you. 
And it was that piece. Nice. And so I took that piece and I remember going to like Hobby Lobby or I'm pretty sure it was Hobby Lobby and and getting it framed. Right. And I knew like that was like a actual investment. That's when I learned like, oh, matting and framing, it costs money. Oh yeah. Right? Custom mm-hmm. matting. Cause I I immediately knew like the color I wanted to matted it, which was like a silver. And so that piece is in my collection as well. But, yeah, I definitely have a lot of art. Um, it's like a mini gallery, I guess, when you come into my home. Uh, this morning I talked to an artist. <laughs> this was actually, and he goes, I haven't made it. <laughs> Once I have a piece of my art hanging in your house. <laughs> and, and I'm like, wow, okay. And then he's like, and I swear if you get a – if you have a piece of so-and-so hanging in your house and not in my, and it was just so funny. Right. (laughs) And I was like, no, I don't have his art hanging. And yeah, I have a lot of pieces that at this point, like I've ran out of wall space. I have a lot of art stored. Um, but yeah, these are like, these are two out of the three pieces that definitely like, if it ever came down to, um, Hey, you got to give it Uh all up and what are you going to keep? It would be like those three pieces. Those, That's those, the chalk one, right? Those artists yeah. just uh, generally so, just give you art. Do they ask you, "Hey, do you want a piece?" Yeah, let's you talk. We can talk about that. So yeah. this was actually in a different frame. And when I moved to Phoenix, I remember I was like, "I gotta get it in a new frame." And I I took it to, um, you know, either Hobby Lobby or Michaels. Um, you know, I'm not getting paid for this, so. And then I remember being so scared of taking it out of the frame because I was like, what if like the chalk is stuck yeah. to the glass? And I had all these crazy ideas of like, I'm about to ruin it. And then I was like, no, it needs a new frame. I just have to do it. And I did it. But before I put it in this frame, like I sealed it. Mm-hmm. So if I ever nice. have to take it out of It'll that. Be, yeah. Easier, less I, damage. Mm-hmm, potential I damage. will. It looks like it's signed too at the corner. Yeah, right? it's signed. I have yeah. no idea who it is. Oh, wow. It's so the friend of the hip, neighbor. Some, some hippie lady that lived upstairs <laughs> from the neighbor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely all the art has stories. Um, I have. I mean, I I can honestly say that i am just been really, really blessed with um, the artists that have that I've met. There are so many. Um, I have an art piece that was gifted to me during Latino Art Weekend that came very unexpected. It came from Ramon Maldonado. He's a Chicano activist. He actually painted the mural that is at Chicano Park now. Mm-hmm. And... He came to Latino Art Weekend. Um, I had extended him the invitation to participate, and he did not reply. And I was like, okay, Ramon is not participating. And um, he showed up at Latino Art Weekend when we were doing the install. Nice. So he shows up. True story. He came in with the video camcorder. And he's like, oh, I want to check this out. And so some of the artists were there dropping off their pieces. We were starting to install. He was walking around. He was recording. And then he disappeared. And then he shows up a few hours later. And he goes, I brought a piece for the art show. And I go, oh, all right, thank you. I you know, appreciate it. 
So he hangs up mm. the piece. We hang up the piece. And um, when he came to pick it up, well, before he came to pick it up, I did a tour where I brought kids from Dove Springs. I got them carpooled to Latino Art Weekend. And thank you, Laura Raso, who sits on my board, because she helped organize that, and Cynthia Vasquez, to a Dove Springs resident, East Austin native. And we brought these kids in to uh, tour the art, and he video camera that too with the recorder. I mean, I don't know what you call him with the VHS <laughs> but he did his thing, right? Nice. And that after that, he he um, he returned, and I said, "Well, you know, can you tell me about the piece you brought?" Okay, and he said, "Yeah, sure." Um, and he goes, "Well, I just want to tell you something first. I'm like. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Right? He goes, you know, I never reply to your messages. And he goes, because I don't know how to read. Oh. And I said, oh, I'm so, I didn't know that, Ramon. Well, I appreciate you, like, taking time and coming. And, um, you know, you share with me about the art piece that you're contributing to this exhibit. And he tells me that that art piece, it's on wood that he actually had gifted it to Zavala Elementary. And the art piece got lost, and it never was shown. And so the piece was lost for 40 years. Wow. And when the school underwent renovations, they mysteriously found it in a closet, mm-hmm. and they, they returned it to him. Wow. So that was the piece that he had at Latino Art Weekend. Um, when he came back to pick up the art piece, um, he gifted me that art piece. Nice. Wow. wow. So I have it. And so eventually I will find a home where it will, um, yeah, where the story can be told. And obviously it is part of preserving our cultura. And yeah, mas cultura. And those, that's just like one of so many. um, Yeah, it's it's, like mas cultura is bigger than me, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, and honestly, it is because there's it it just happens. And um, yeah, and I always like, wow, God, like you're really using me, and um, we're just a vehicle for it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's pretty that's a pretty cool story. That's a wonderful story. Yeah, Lost like I, I think that's like the, one of the deepest or the deepest story we've had in yeah, the podcast. There, there's <laughs> so much, and I and um, what what it all comes down to is like if we actually take time to talk to people and just be like, yeah, like tell me about you and your story, which is something that you're doing through <laughs> this podcast, right? right? So in a way, you're preserving too because. One day, you know, I won't be here, and this will, this will be part of my story, and people who want to learn about me will have this podcast. So I also commend you for the work that you're doing through, you know, Otra, Otra, otra por, por Favor. favor. Otra Por Favor, yes. um, that we are doing. <laughs> yes, that you're doing. Um, yeah. But I'm like, I want to know, like, who are the artists? Where are they at? What is their story? And so... Um, you know, the artists that were part of Latino Art Week and the 50-plus artists that, you know, I brought 
to that event. Like mm-hmm. that was not an accident, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That was like at some point, um, I remember being on this Hispanic Latino group and like learning and reading about artists and todo eso. And um, anyhow, part of Latino Art Weekend was having the car show and the lowrider bikes. And so I had signed someone up for a lowrider bike. Well, they filled out the little form. And so, oh, here's your confirmation. You know, you'll be participating, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, a few days later, my Instagram phone is ringing. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could call people to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. And um, I take the call. I was at work. And she would already tried calling me like twice. And I was like, okay. And so I ans- I, go- I step outside of my office to answer. And I'm like, hey, um, I was like, I got all your, your stuff. Is everything okay? And she's, she's like crying. And I'm like, no, like you're registered, right? <laughs> you're like good. Your bike's registered. Yeah. We're good. Is everything okay? And she goes, well, I have all this. You're doing an art show. And I go, yeah, yeah. Like that's part of it. Latino Art Weekend. And she's like, well, I have a lot of art. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. And she goes, well, it's not my art. She goes, it's my uncle's art. Mm. I go, oh, okay, I see. And she goes, um, and I know you can help me. And I go, okay. Well, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she goes, um, I really need your help. She's like, um, and you're the only person that I know, like, can do it. And I go, well, I'm at work right now, but I'll text you when I get off. Then um, when that happens, I asked her to send me some pictures. Before she sends me the pictures, uh, we jump on a phone call, and she tells me that um, the art belonged to her uncle who had passed away from COVID in September, and it was like November, you know, or earlier that year. Sorry, I don't remember exactly when, but that he had passed away from COVID, and that he uh, was amputated, so he was wheelchair bound, and he had rescued her from foster care, and that her whole life she had been by his side while he created art, and at some point she's like, you know, as a kid, like I would carry his art and help him set up, and he would do these pop ups like in green and new brownfuls. And um, they live between here and San Antonio. She's like, you know, as a kid, I would help my uncle set up these pop-ups. And he passed away and he left me all this art. And she's like, I I just don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I said, and of course, um, the empath in me is like, yes, I'll help you, right? Mm -hmm. And I go, well, I really need to see the art first. Um, and she sends me um, the first picture, and as soon as she sent it to me, like I knew immediately that he was talented. Mm-hmm. And she starts sending me more, and I go, "Okay." I said, "I'm gonna help you." And I said, "And you know, he can participate in Latino Art Weekend." And she's like bawling, and she's like, "You know, all he ever wanted was for people to see his art. Mm-hmm. And he wanted it in a gallery." And so they invited me to the home. I drove. Um, to the little town, and um, you know they live in this trailer park area. I showed up, and there was just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of art. Wow. And I remember thinking, how am I going to pick 
which pieces to show at Latino mm-hmm. Art Weekend. So I kind of had to step back, look at it, and then, you know, I did end up picking out some pieces. And so Latino Art Weekend was, yeah, he was there in spirit, and we sold some of his pieces. I think I have two left because we ended up taking six of them and exhibiting them. Man, it was kind of like we were, we had a question to ask, but like, what would you do to change the world? But you already answered that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like and I think for us, it's just like continue to, you know, to create. Um, yeah, I think it's create opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if we have if we have an opportunity, then it's like, how do we then extend that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like, we don't just keep it to ourselves, right? And right. I hope that, um, yeah, I hope that people know that, that if I'm given the opportunity, I'm going to find a way <laughs> to then, like, extend that to someone. That's good. That's good. Uh, we were like, we're, in, we're in, I'm shocked and awed by everything that you were saying. Right. This, and it's been a captivating conversation, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, the more I hear the stories that you shared with us so far, I wonder how many people are out there that have – those pieces hidden that are just waiting for that opportunity, waiting to be connected mm-hmm. or that story that needs to be told. So it's kind of wonderful. And I think it's like magical in a way when you, when you talk about these examples throughout your life and throughout your work that you've mm-hmm. given someone that or shown someone that door to showcase their passion, the hidden gems. Yep. And we have stuff coming up. Talk Ooh. about it. Tell me Let's go. what's going on. So, I have a series that I'm starting called Cafe Cositas. Okay. And the idea with that is um, bringing the señoras together. Las comadres. Las comadres, las señoras, tías, primas, and... um, and toxicas too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we are all inclusive. We're all inclusive, okay? There so anyhow... Cafe Cositas. <laughs> Con las tóxicas. As long as the café is not tóxico. Oh, there we go. Oh, my goodness. Café es good. Tenga so piquete, we're, okay. You know, giving them space to fellowship, to build community, create also. Mm-hmm. So we'll be having, like, local Latina creatives uh, come in. Like, there's uh, Melissa with uh, 13 Cookies that's going to come and do, like, cookie decorating. Valerie, who's going to do like ear make earrings out of clay or something there's a lot of stuff but eventually um the whole the whole idea we're starting it in dev springs we definitely want to grow it into those other um areas that we know there's a need um but we'll start the cafe cositas there and then our ultimate goal is to have a dia de los muertos in dev springs Mm -hmm. Right, because we just know, like, mm-hmm. the señoras are never going to get on the bus and go downtown for the Dia de los Muertos festivities. So we will then, through that series, start creating things that we will use for the Dia de los Muertos. Oh, that's good. Um, so that's one thing. I have um, an exhibit that we're just working on confirming the date. We have a location for it. And that will be an art exhibit inspired by prison art. Mm. Um, of course, it is a little bit tricky because we want to make sure, like, it's not inmates that have, like, that are violent offenders against mm-hmm. women or children. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also will have, um, just in general, like, people who have been affected by the system, you know, incarceration. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then the style of that art, right? Mm -hmm. So we will have this exhibit. It's going to be hella dope. Uh, the exhibit will happen, and then a proceeds of the art that is sold through that exhibit is going to go to an organization who works with youth that are at risk and their parents have or are incarcerated. Um, so that's going to be our gift back for that. You so, don't have a date for that, you said, yeah. So we have two dates that we're um, uh, working with right now, but mm -hmm. as soon as I have it, like, we're going to start promoting it for sure mm -hmm. um, to make sure that anyone who's interested in participating can. Mm -hmm. So that is like one of the exhibits that I'm really looking forward to. Um, there is <laughs> an activation right now. It is a Spurs mural that's at Native Hostel. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a QR code on there. So I am really proud of that project. That was a project that I had to sign a confidentiality agreement on. And I couldn't talk about it. But that, it, that project, like I submitted several artists. I'm going to be really honest. I didn't think we were going to get it. I was just like, we're Moscow Duda. Like, we just don't have that much. <laughs> you know, we don't have a really solid resume. But let's do it. And... I'm just going to say, like, I'm really proud of the Spurs because they selected the one um, art piece that was proposed that definitely embraces cultura. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got, like, um, ballet folklorico, mariachi hat. And I was like, okay, well, hello, native in East Austin. Like, we're, <laughs> we're bringing this mural to you. Are you ready for it? And everyone's been awesome, great. Amado Castillo is the artist. He's an Austin native. Mm -hmm. And um, the mural went up. And they uh, just a few days ago during South By, they announced that you can win tickets. So you take a selfie with the mural, you scan the code, and you have chance to win tickets. So that was a mural that was organized by Mas Cultura. And then the artist is Amado Castillo. But that's like huge for us, right? To have been a commission for that that mural from the Spurs. Nice, that's good. Yeah. Uh, that's one that I see. There's yeah. more. Yeah. I, this <laughs> one's really us. important. No, 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 this no, no, one's please. really important. Okay, this one's really important because we did this last year and it was community funded, and mm -hmm. this year it more than likely will be too. So I am mm -hmm. throwing that out there. Uh, like we have to invest in, in our communities, and that is one of the things that Mas Cultura, as you know, we grow as an organization, that we definitely want to promote like Latino philanthropy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in yes. cultural arts. Mm -hmm. Like if we want to see more Latino events, more cultural arts, like we need to invest, invest in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was a campaign we did last year, and it, it turned out to be really, really beautiful. And it is a done during mental health awareness. It was community funded, which to me says a lot about that. Hey, we do care about mental health awareness. Mm -hmm. And it is the only mural that is in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And it says, tu importas. Mm -hmm. Right? And for that mural, uh, Felix Jaime Snook one, first generation. Also, he, uh, he and I worked on that mural and it ended up being a community collaboration where other artists came and helped us with it. Mm -hmm. And the mural is at the corner of Ben White and South Congress. So. so that was last year. So we will be doing that mural again, Tu Importas. It will be a different design, obviously, inspired by the artists that get selected. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to put that mural in North Austin, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking for walls, you know, the funding siempre. Mm -hmm. Pero the wall, high visibility wall. 
uh, everything's intentional. Like we want to make sure it's high traffic, that yeah. it's going to make an impact in the community. Mm -hmm. So that mural will be happening this summer, the Twin Portas. Okay. Um, the ultimate dream is that that campaign grows, kind of like the You're Not Alone campaign has grown mm -hmm. nationally. Mm -hmm. So for me, like putting that mural in Igla Paz, you know, other little towns um, that um, have a, a Latino population. Right now we're on Instagram. So, Mas Cultura. Mas Cultura. Mas Cultura. Okay. Mas. Queremos Mas, Mas, right? Mas Cultura. And we're hoping like within the next 90 days that we have the website. Um, but definitely follow us on Instagram because um, we will be putting out that call on like, hey, who's interested in being on our team? Um, yeah, we're looking for talent, skills, or if you just want to shadow, want to be mentored. We also encourage um, people who are like highly skilled professionals like to get involved and mentor some of the youth and emerging artists as well. That's awesome. That's good. Um, we are you know, tax deductible now. We're nice. recognized by the IRS officially as a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you make a donation, it is tax deductible. And the... Even more important than that, it puts us, um, it gives us the opportunity, sorry, to start applying for grants and to start going after some of that funding. Good. Sí, yo creo que para mí lo más importante con más cultura es que la comunidad se, se sienta apoyada y si tienen ideas, que por favor nos marquen y estamos aquí para servirles. Mm -hmm. Y esa es neta, mi palabra. Well said. Yep, that's sure. perfect. Yep. Yeah, right. Thank you, Monica, for, thank you so for much being for here. You. For thank coming you. Thank out. You. My ears are burning. So <laughs> 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 no worries, no worries. And uh, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Father Por Favor. Por Favor. Um, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Otra Por Favor. And yeah, just let us know. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, you know, this episode. And if you want to go ahead and connect and volunteer, Head up, Monica. She's gonna respond, and I'm pretty sure you're gonna you're gonna not regret that decision to you know volunteer. Más cultura. Más cuídense. Cultura. Se portan bien y adiós. Esto es otra, por favor. This is one more.